Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bali Effect. This is Preeti Tana. And this is Dee Dee Perry. Back up in here. What's going on, <laughs> Dee? We're, this is like our second virtual uh, podcast thing going on. I mean, I think we're getting the hang of it, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm so happy to be here today. It's the end of a long week. Another one. It's another one. And uh, I'm really hyped because we have people again. Yeah, we'll we get do. too soon. So and we've got you people lined up. We've yeah. got people lined up. So it feels really good. <laughs> and we should let everyone know that we like are amping up our game, I guess, when it comes to the podcast. So Dee and I have spent uh, quite a bit of time together this week, virtually, of course. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been terrific. I mean, I feel like uh, you should send me your bill for like the therapy <laughs> sessions. <laughs> well, which, well, because what you say is happening is, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, at this point, it's like every time I, I think we're talking, I'm like, should we be recording this? Because this is juicy good stuff. But... I know, I know. But we we're we're doing a lot of good stuff for everyone. So hopefully, you'll start to see the effects of that. But yeah, the week's been long. The weeks, uh, the days are short and the weeks are long, is what it feels like, or something along. Is that way. a remix of some other? No, scene? you know my twelve-year-old uh, niece said that to me the other day. It was so profound. Oh, she's wise. Get she's it, girl. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. I know there's a word when when we get to our guests and sort of the topics we want to talk about. There is a word that's been coming up on how to describe what we want to talk about. I think we should revamp that word. If you get my drift revamp the word is in yeah. use the explicit words yeah I don't <laughs> word. <laughs> for your 12 year old listen i told you i have no cousin what's up christian who listen to this oh he's not yeah home. young people and i told you my mother was like stop swearing i love everything but the swears <laughs> yes yeah, we did our first instagram live last week which um <laughs> <laughs> The visual of Dee's face changed when I mentioned Instagram Live because her and I, I've actually never done one with a, with another person, and it took us four times. Four attempts, two hours. But you know what? We are learning, and this is the Bali effect, where we explore life's pivotal moments. And we, we, we are, this is pivotal for us because I just got on Instagram. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. But I am shifting from my former hermit uh, social media existence. So the bumps come along with it, but it's okay. We yeah. worked it out. We worked of. it out. I mean, we still didn't figure out how to <laughs> keep the live on our stories. But I think for this Sunday, we, we've we got it. We've got it. And we won't have to do four takes of it. But we'll see. Your lips. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Preeti, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so, so, I don't think we have enough time for for this episode um but i want to start out by simply asking you a question and listen we we are as clear and transparent as mud around here on the Bali effect yeah that's a bad joke but i do want to give you the the license and whatnot because i don't want to catch you off guard um sure you do share what you want (laughs) that's what i'm saying share what you want okay i'll throw it over here i'll I'll think about it. But have you ever in your life had a breakup? Uh, yes, 
we're talking about relationships, correct? Yes. 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 Relationships. I have been lucky enough to have many breakups. Okay. All right. I got something to work with. Have you ever had a breakup happen? And then later on, you realized there was this moment you just were like, wait a minute, this wasn't about me, but this was about where that person was in their journey. Have you ever had? Well, I, I, this is, the, um, <laughs> yes, but that's not my initial response to it. And a lot of that, I would say yes now, later in, in my later dating years, but certainly in the beginning, um, I a hundred percent thought it was all about me. Um, really? I, yeah, you know, so this is, this is something I haven't shared, I guess, but, um, the way I would view relationships in men and, you know, we won't go into why that's probably another podcast, but I, I really thought men were just, you know, sitting around in perfection and they were, you know, they had everything figured out and they were choosing women. You know, like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, the man and I get to choose whomever I want. And so um, it it really, I know this sounds so juvenile and almost um, incredibly juvenile, but I really was like, okay, they didn't pick me because they were picking someone better. Right. And for a long time, that's, that's what drove, you know, my thought process with relationships, you know, or and and by the way, no one ever actually uh, cheated on me, or you know, I didn't walk into a room and find someone. So there's, I didn't have like a history of men leaving me, but I really thought they were perfect and they had all their shit figured out, stuff figured out, and I just wasn't getting chosen for whatever bar they had set for whom they wanted to spend time with. And it wasn't until recently, and by that I mean I would even say five years, five six years. Um, that I started to realize that they're people and they're not, you know, on this pedestal, just sort of, you know, in perfection choosing that they, they had their own, um, their own stuff, but, it, but it, that is not how I felt about it. I know <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but that's no, it's the not truth. Crazy. I, no, I think that the way that you perceived it all those years is how, most people do. I think that that's how our culture promotes it. And so there is a lot that comes with this being on the receiving end or what feels like I'm on the receiving end of the breakup. And what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't enough. I, I should have done this. I should have done that. If only, if only. Um, but can I ask, what was it that made you see that it was more to it, the equation, that they were much less two-dimensional? I think if you're lucky enough, you just, you, for me, there was just the opportunity to understand why I felt that way. I think on some level, I knew that was a little bit off. And and so for me, it was, you know, talking to other people, it definitely was a lot of therapy and it's just maturity, you know, and, um, sort of seeing someone as, as an equal, as opposed to feeling as though they're superior in a different space. And I think, I think what really helped is really listening to, to people. I mean, I was lucky enough to spend time with men, not all of them, but a lot of them were super forthcoming about their own stuff. And like in the beginning, I would be like, oh, this is an excuse. You know, it's not you, it's me. 
uh, blah, 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 or, you know, someone really hurt me. But the truth is, once I started really listening and believing that they, they were being honest, I think that sort of shifted my perception as well. You know, you saying that just gave me uh, a realization. As much as we talk about just broadly how women are objectified mm-hmm. in society and culture, I think that in a lot of ways, men are too, but in a different way. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know I what would I agree mean? with that. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there's that you are not alone in this sentiment, um, and I certainly am not. And I, I certainly can agree with um, and relate to what you're saying because I, oh gosh, I don't even know when I when it started to come together. But I think for me, it actually had to do with developing more confidence with myself a hundred along the yeah. way. You know for what sure. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, no, I'm, I'm actually the bomb. So right. you didn't understand no, that. Even, even if That's they on him. You. <laughs> when they say to you, it's you. You're like, no, it's not me. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> like, get yeah. to that point. Um, I'm almost there. But yeah, it the confidence is a big deal. It is. Look, we all go through that blow. And um, you know what? They, You know when we were younger? Sorry, when I was younger. I don't know how old everyone is. But when people used to say to you, oh, it's timing. It's just a timing thing. Like, it's not the right time. And you're like, well, that's complete ridiculous BS. You know what? It's not. Yeah. That now? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not. Timing is, is like a critical foundational thing. And it has really nothing to do with you. It truly is. And that kind of gets wrapped up into, you know, confidence and, you know, knowing who you are and knowing if you can give someone what they need. And that's the other realization, you know, like they, they may have left and they may have chose someone else, but I, I think that some of them really knew that they couldn't give me what I needed and not because they couldn't give it to me and they could give it to someone else, but they couldn't give it to themselves. Mm-hmm. That's deep, girl. Well, talk to me the next time I'm going through a breakup. <laughs> I will. I will replay this episode. Just <laughs> exactly. Listen to yourself. Listen to your higher voice. D, it's such an important point. The confidence. I think that, you know, that that is another fundamental of of how you feel about these things, for sure. Well, you know. Being the confident woman that you are. More confident than I was. Yeah. Five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. We'll stop the count there. Um, you know, just that's to... that's the game which no one tells you. You know, as you get older, especially for women, the game of like you get older and you may you may not look as youthful, right? As as sort of aging happens. Dee and I talk about this aging thing all the time. Fine, but red wine, girl, better with it. But that internal compass really does. It's off the charts how much better that gets. Yeah. I know. For sure. For sure. You know, I, you know, those magazines we used to read, at the, I don't remember which one, but they would have like an interview with a with a woman. And this is when I'm maybe 25. And so they'd have an interview with a woman who's like really old, like 45. You know, when I was 25, I thought that was so old. Right, right, And right. they would all say the same thing, you know, like, how do you feel about getting older? And they'd say, I love it because mm-hmm. I don't give uh, whatever, uh, whatever. And at 25, yeah. I'm like, I don't understand this. Now I understand it, and it's phenomenal. Well, it looks good on you, girl. I ain't, you know, I ain't giving away no numbers or nothing, but it looks good on you. Um, I want to hear more about this, but I also want to give our our guests some time to yes. enlighten us. Because first of all, before I even get to this, I just want to say we've been trying to coordinate 
getting this gentleman on who has been so gracious and we are hyped and thrilled to have him in the building and he i hope is going to be able to just enlighten us and educate us because uh i just say i got a lot of questions mm-hmm. but um yeah so much pressure ah, no pressure <laughs> no pressure at all uh, I was, you know, I, we we haven't done this before, but uh, oh shells! I, I just I thought that you know a little music might be appropriate to introduce him. Wow! And so uh, we've got uh, in this building. We are blessed to have Landon Davis. He is a loving father, a doting husband, an artist, a criminal defense attorney. And the host of a film review podcast called Bump City Views. He lives in Oakland. And today, ladies and gentlemen, he is also here to tell us about his journey when he no longer wanted to be. Well, he's going to tell us about it. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly the fade out I wanted, but you get the point. You no longer, you know, first of all, welcome, Landon. I, I am so excited. And D, the music is, is clutch because I did listen to one of your podcasts today. And you do like throwing in that music at the beginning of your stuff, too. That's true. <laughs> that is like our like signature um, for our shows is to begin with a new song each time and have one of the reviewers introduce it. So I appreciate the introduction. Um and I'm very happy to be here, guys. I'm I'm a little surprised because you guys are so sophisticated, and uh, I just feel like I'm honored to be on your show. Like I'm just like, man, it's it's a real. <laughs> we did it. We fooled him. D. We got it done. Yeah, you guys are, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of the best word to describe what i was five or six years ago because i know the word i had described is a probably a little too explicit well you could for the show you could cut it down to f i don't think f is a bad thing so just say f instead of the other word right dd does your mom listen to this podcast no Okay, I'm gonna say I'm sorry, Miss Perry. If you listen to this podcast, I did not. You good and grown. She she was like a lot. It's the world of you. Anyway, but um, I don't know. You guys want me to just get right into it? Yeah, let's let's before we 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 get to all of that. Um, just broad broad strokes, broad strokes. How do you describe yourself? And you can interpret that however you want. How would you describe yourself in one sentence? Ooh. I would describe now or back then? Right now. Uh, right now, I would say I am a uh, a father, a husband, a... I like the description you gave of criminal justice crusader. I love that. And, um, you know, now host of a film review podcast, so... Adding titles as I continue to grow. Okay, I love it. So, if you had to think broadly about your identity, how much of that is related to your understanding of your masculinity? That's a deep question. I haven't thought about that. Um, I mean, I would say a lot of it is probably intertwined within that identity. I mean... 
Yeah, let me ponder that because I'm trying to think who am I outside of my masculinity? I think that's part of the growing process for me. Mm -hmm. Just figure out who I am outside of that. See, I'm talking to a litigator. Um, He understands. I, I know he sees the groundwork that I'm laying. You know, I deliberately asked you first to describe yourself and then ask about the masculinity later because you didn't bring it up initially. Which right. it's it just is what it is. It, it is it is something. Um, do you think broadly that like masculinity is something that you came to understand just from your own life experience or from um, what you got told externally in your journey or combination? I, I mean, I think it's the same as almost being a black man, right? Or as race, right? It's mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of the two. It's your life experiences. It's what's taught to you um, from when you're little uh, to what you see on television, what you hear in the music. Um, And I think as you get older, what you start to do is really reevaluate what your identity is and figure out what is just fed to you and what is actually authentic and what is who you actually truly are. You know, a lot of a lot of that, though, like what's fed to you and, and who you are, um, you know, it takes someone who's somewhat self-evolved, right? And someone who's self-aware, I should say, to, to make that bridge, right? This is not who I am. This is what I've been taught versus this is who I really am and this is what I want to be, right? Or this is how I want right. to live my life. For you, when when was that? Was that I mean you keep talking about five years ago. Was that really truly like the beginning of hey wait? Authenticity means this to me, and it actually doesn't mean how I've been leading my life. Yeah, I mean I think um around five to six years ago is when I really had my breakthrough as mm-hmm. far as who I wanted to be. And who when I really reevaluated and reexamined who I had become like uh, the last few years leading up to that, to that breakthrough. Well, who were you five years ago, Landon? Well, I think, you know, like most men in their twenties, I was um, trying to be someone I was not, you know, I was caught up in the scene. I was partying a lot, Um, you know, probably was not the best person to be in a relationship at the time um you know so you know living up trying to live up to the images that you kind of see uh that's put out there um and and also images that i I grew up with and um you know i had an older brother that i emulated and cousins that i try to be like so i think it was uh years of trying to model my behavior after kind of what i saw from them and then Becoming my own man. Now, when you say um, these images of what you were trying to be like, can you just give us a bit of description around what what that means? Like, well, they all wore, uh, you know, neckties at five o'clock in the afternoon. Like, what do you mean by that? So I think I go all the way back. I think what it is for me is that in high school, I was a super nerd. I was no. in marching band. Oh, my God. I, oh, could always, I know that's probably not that much of a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that he's a justice crusader. So, yeah. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, 
But uh, yeah, Marching Band, I was doing video production. Marching Band? Oh, know. never mind. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was kind of a geek. So, and my brother was an uh, amazing athlete who was um, played different sports, was a ladies' man, uh, tall, good-looking. Uh, so I, I idolized him growing up. Um, Were you a ladies' man those days? I was not at all, at all. Like when I was in high school, it was the opposite. Like I could, I couldn't get a girlfriend to save my life. All the really talented, beautiful <laughs> men say that, you know. True. Yeah. There, I was like, oh, I couldn't get a girl, and you're like sitting there across from them, like, mm, I don't know about that, but okay, I'll go with this one. Go ahead, keep right. going. We'll take it. Yeah. So. I, I, and I think what it is is that you trick yourself and think you can't get a girlfriend unless you are either an athlete mm-hmm. or you're a bad boy or um, you're a rapper, right? Like those are the kind of images that you see, especially as a black man. Those are the guys who are getting women, right? Not the marching band video game playing, uh, video production, high school kid, right? So those are the images I saw, and those really stuck with me for years. Even when I went to law school, that was still in the back of my mind, like, hey, this is ultimately kind of what women want as far as, you know, a partner. How wrong you were. I'm friend. like, oh, you <laughs> shaking yeah, it took my me head. Years to figure that out. <laughs> So when did you start to shift out of being the, the self-professed nerd to self- Oh, pretty happy to say. Oh, no, keep going. Yeah, no, I thought you were jumping. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like when did that, you're like, this isn't working anymore. I, I want to date. I would say it was probably when I went to law school. Yeah. I think that's when, the you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, because my brother is also a, an attorney. And I saw the success that he was having, so I decided to go to law school, you know, and that's when I, um, you know, kind of came out of my shell, I would say, and, you know, started having a little bit more success with the ladies. What <laughs> <laughs> changed? I have this image of, of Lynn being like, okay, I'm going to go <clears throat> study what it means and like I have a checklist and so I have to wear this and I gotta learn some rap songs and I gotta go do this like really truly what was that moment of like was it really taking taking your time and saying oh let me do these five things that I see or did you bump up against somebody that allowed you to test all this stuff out I mean I mean I, I want to make sure I'm clear I had dated women before law school right but i was always the kind of guy who was um in like long-term relationships relationships. and uh it wasn't really till law school that i really started to date multiple women right um at the same time yeah, I was just having fun, you know, just soiling my royal oats, you know, just. So I think what it is, is that at that time, that was kind of and I started to see that, you know, well, hey, there's not that many guys who look like me in law school. Right. There's not that many black guys in law school. So I definitely stood out, you know, that 
um, gave me confidence. And I think that's kind of where the true break came where from who I was, which was a kind of nerdy guy to trying to adopt things that probably weren't really who I was. So you you described yourself as uh, your word, not mine, F boy at a certain point in time. Can you elaborate on with it? You know, you don't have to be graphic about it, but what did that mean? Did it mean like you just were not committing to anybody? You were just, you were royal, royal oatsing things. You had five women at one time. What, what did that mean? Sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's a combination of things. I think I was very self absorbed. Um, and I really was focusing on my wants and desires and not what the person that wanted or desired in a relationship with me. Um, and I think I was, you know, dating women and not being completely honest with them about, about where we were at. Right. And I was really just having surface level relationships. Um, so it was, I think it was women who wanted and I probably should have been more upfront with them about where, and I think I was kind of using my status at the time. It's like being a lawyer just to get what I wanted out of the relationship. You know, D, uh, this term F boy is in the dictionary. So, so are it's, you serious? Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't. Um, you know, it's a noun. Uh, it, it's vulgar slang, <laughs> derogatory. Um, a man who has many casual partners. I'll leave certain words out of there. A weak man is also in the dictionary, and so it's also in the Urban Dictionary. But we're not going to read that definition. So the thing is, like, it's so. It's such a. It's a term, and it's notated in the dictionary because of how many people sort of felt as though this was a common way of behaving for men. You know, um, Landon, you said something that, that piqued my interest. You, you said, you know, you were becoming very self-absorbed. Was that a characteristic that you had before kind of taking on this new persona? Um, were you, you know, did you suddenly just kind of go from being like this thoughtful, compassionate, uh, you know, guy in the marching band to jackass lawyer? Dime a dozen. Nothing was a slow transition. <laughs> I mean, it went from like, as I became more probably successful in my career, like graduating from college, then going to law school, and then passing the bar, and then becoming a lawyer, I think I gradually became more and more self-absorbed and um, just was not caring about the feelings of the women I was dating. Did do you do you think that was it like that for your peers as well? Like, did you find that well, this is just how everybody does it? Like, you don't have to treat your the people that you're fooling around with with much attention because you don't have to. And I'm still getting all this adulation. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes time for guys to mature, right? I yeah. think guys, especially in their twenties, that's kind of the mindset they're going to have. And um, this might be controversial, but 
So a certain extent, I don't think there's. I think need to be honest with women, but but I, I, you know, I think guys have to go through that stage in order for them to fully mature. I don't think they should like lie or deceive, but as far as them having fun and going out and, and dating multiple women, some guys need that, right? In order to get to the stage where they can be like a true man. Well, damn, how long does the stage last? Uh, well, <laughs> how, and you can't, you can't say the stage too long. I think that's the thing, too. Well, how long were you there? He has to think about that. Five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, that's respectable. I probably what do I know. <laughs> do you think it's a longer phase for, for other guys or is it typically a five-year phase i know there might be some some i think there's guys who are in the phase for like 15 years or never get out of it you know yeah like i think it kind of touches on what we started this conversation with you know i think there's probably a bunch of different facets that go into behaving that way you know and it sounds like for you it was a phase and that you you actually recognized that that's not the person you wanted to be, right? It was it was a phase, and it, and it sort of, um, you know, fed certain desires. But I also think it's it's how you perceive relationships, you know, um, you know, especially the folks that stay in that phase or the men that stay in that phase for a, a long period of time. You know, that's it's sort of a surface level connection. It's not really a deep connection. And I think to make those intimate connections requires, you know, a lot of work if it doesn't come naturally. Not that I know anything about yeah, that. I was just sort of pontificating on that. <laughs> well, no, that makes me think of another question, Landon. Did you feel that you were emotionally connected to any of these people or uh, emotionally vulnerable in these relationships? No, before? I thought so at the time, right? But now that I can compare what I have now to then, then no, it's, not, it's nowhere even close. And I think, like, you kind of touched on this in the beginning, um, is that it's hard to love someone if you don't know yourself, right? Like, you have to be able to be vulnerable with yourself, really do a deep introspection about who you are before you can really have that type of connection with anyone else. And I think all my relationships before were very much um, surface level and I didn't have that own, I didn't know myself in order to really truly love someone else. Were you at least happy or fulfilled? Happiness comes and goes. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think I had fun, but I don't, I think it's different between happiness and joy, right? Mm -hmm. I think I had momentary at moments of happiness, but overall, I don't think I was in the best place. So to play in life, I know it looks like, okay, well, Landon, explain for us and all of our listeners, please, what changed? What was the Bali moment where you're like, wait a minute, I think I want to try to do or be something different? So we got to go back about five or six years. Um, I was living in LA. Like I said, I was a lawyer, bought it, I had a brand new car. I was actually in a relationship, but I was not the best boyfriend at the time. I was unfortunately not faithful. 
And um, we end up actually getting engaged. I moved up to Oakland with my fiance. And things completely went to shit. Like the relationship ended. And doing part two, what was going on with us during the relationship and primarily because of what I was doing um, as far as not being faithful. So that goes completely to shit. And then I um, fall kind of to like a deep depression. Like I was really um, uh, saddened by the whole relationship ending. She was an amazing woman, but like, you know, due to what I was doing, it didn't work. And also just on a, on a deeper level, we didn't have that connection. But I'm just going to... So I kind of go back. Lynn, I just have to interrupt, sorry, and ask you this question. It's, it's I rarely interrupt, but I have to say, you know, how did you get to the point of getting engaged? You know, if if you didn't have that deep connection, and it's more curiosity. I mean, is it that you think, oh, this is the right thing to do? Or yeah. is it a little less conscious than that? Okay. No, I think it was that, and it's like trying to put a Band-Aid over a really mm-hmm. serious wound. Like, I thought it was the right thing to do, like you were saying at the time. I kind of knew I was getting to the point where I was tired of being a uh, F-boy, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the thing to do. Like, this is the next stage to do, or next where I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't right. I mean, I kind of felt that at the time, but I went forward with it. And she ended up ending the engagement, and rightly so. And during that breakup, she said things to me that I'm like, you know what? I really need to get my shit together, right? It was, she was brutally honest, and it it was what I needed at the time. But it completely, you know, unraveled me. And uh, I started kind of going back to my old ways. I started going back to my F-boy ways, right? I started partying again. I started dating multiple women. Um, I ended up dating. Well, I don't want to say dating, but I ended up uh, hooking up with a younger sister of an acquaintance. It was a friend of a friend that I had seen a couple times at a couple different functions. Skip ahead two months, and I hadn't, I didn't see her after we had this one night stand situation, and she ends up having a. Uh, like a birthday party at a at a nightclub and and uh my friend and I decided to go see her at this nightclub. And I was just gonna make a guest appearance, see her and then go go my way. And for some reason I thought it was a great idea to take an edible before I went <laughs> to this to this, <laughs> to this like birthday event. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. <laughs> Sometimes so, it's a good idea. Sometimes it's so definitely. Just like, hey, my God. Hey, you know, let's 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 make this even more fun. So we, I, I take this edible, and my friend and I go and we walk in there. I see her with her friends, and uh, immediately as I walk in, one of her male friends, who was like a hipster version of Joe Pesci, walks <laughs> right up, right, and he comes up to me and he starts like trying to 
poke me in my chest, but he's pretty short, so he's like poking me in my belly button. <laughs> and, he's, <laughs> and he's saying like, hey man, what are you doing here? She is really into you. You need to like uh, be careful with her, or you're like uh, messing with her mind by being with her, being here. And it completely like threw me off. I mean, I couldn't tell if it was like the drugs or the situation, but I was like kind of freaking out because I'm like, man, I hooked up with this girl like two months ago, and she's already like having these like feelings for me. And I also I told her, hey, don't tell anybody about us hooking up. <laughs> so, so she told obviously she told this guy. This guy is like poking me in my belly button. I kind of freak out because of the edible. I beg my friend to take me home. As he's taking me home, the the edibles are really kicking in, and I'm freaking out. Right? I'm thinking like the worst things possible. I'm like, man. I'm going I'm going to go to prison for some reason. Like I'm going to have to do like habeas corpus petitions like just so I don't get beat up in prison for some reason. Like my mind was going all over the place. I couldn't even explain why I was doing that. So, I end up getting home and um you know, I'm still really tripping about what happened. My stomach turns and I end up um like this is kind of explosive. I end up vomiting. And it's like this neon green vomit. And I felt like I was like throwing up like all the bad karma that I had from like, you know, doing women wrong all the other years, years leading up to that. Right. You like, basically and- now have this story at this moment, every guy listening who's ever been an F boy is like, I'm never taking an edible. Like I don't want to go through the catharsis of my F years. Anyway, going, keep going. Okay. So I'm like, man, it almost felt like the, and I'm thinking about like all the women I like they're on to, and I felt like this ultimate like like judgment at the time, and it almost felt like man, it felt like like the wrath of like God on me for some reason. Like I was freaking out about this whole thing. And at this time, I had met this girl named Kimberly. But at this <laughs> so, time, or like a day later, or you had already met her before? No, this is like it? all around the same time. Okay. That, like around the same time. So, and I was really liking her, but I was still kind of doing my F-boy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So after I had this like crazy wild trip, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be honest with this girl straight up i'm not gonna do anything i'm just gonna date her for right now see how it goes because i was like terrified like this whole trip scared the shit out of me i was like you know what let me just like settle my ass down and just chill a little bit see where (laughs) where this goes with this relationship now i'm thinking me included by the way all of us that have dated f boys are going to send them all edibles i was just thinking (laughs) We can we can make some progress here. Okay. This is great. Uh, so jump ahead. This is like part two of the story. We jump ahead about several months. Kimberly and I are doing really well. 
I actually ended up going on a trip. Can I ask, can I ask a quick, quick question? Yeah. How long were you yeah. engaged in dating that person in that relationship? That was a clarification I wanted earlier. How long have we been? We had been dating for about three years and had been engaged. I mean, engagement ended relatively quickly. So okay. it had only be like six or seven months. Okay. So about like three and a half years and then, okay. So how old are you at this time now that you've, you know, vomited it all out of you and now you've got something new? So I'm 29 when this happens. Okay. Ooh, Saturn return. Mm-hmm. The turning 30 crisis. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, I'm not opposed to people who commit affair. I mean, crimes of the heart going to jail, but that was a sidebar. Continue your story, Landon. Uh, so I ended up going to Thailand with a friend and, um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Thailand, but it's, uh, I guess we have. It's kind of a trip. Like when you get there, like it's kind of like, it's like hedonism to the max. It's like, like you you get there. What's that? That's not Bali. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I really didn't have the same feeling in Thailand that I did in Bali, but keep going. It's you pretty. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 get, I get to Thailand, and, um, you know, we're there to have a good time. But I slowly start to see, I'm like, man, this place is, like, too much for me, right? I mean, it's like people from all over the world go there to completely just wild out. Now, initially... You know, as a black man, I love it because, like, the dollar goes far. And I'm like, man, this is the first time I've ever felt like a white guy. Like, I just felt like, I felt like Puff Daddy there. Like, I mean, like, seven massages a day. You know, you get to <laughs> it's true. eat whatever you want. It's so yeah. true. You know, $3 massages. I mean, you do really, you're the king and queen in Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. But... It went like a step too far. It went to a point where it's like you're walking down a street and like police officers are telling you like, hey, that's where the local brothel is, which is like strange. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up um, going to Patong Beach and they had this whole um, street full of like bars and clubs. Ping-pong. And you just see exploitation yep. at like the max. Mm-hmm. Like you see these bars, these outside bars that have like go-go dancers with women dancing, but then you also see like little Thai children walking around. And you see like older foreigners walking down the street with like younger women or or younger guys. It's like such a strange situation. Like you even see like, I saw like women walking around with like uh, like leashes on almost like some sort of like S&M fantasy sort of situation. So it kind of just turned me off. I was like, man, this is like a little too much. And um, we end up going to another island and it's still a bunch of like foreigners partying and, and, and having a great time. What appears to be having a great time. And it looks like they're like chasing or trying to find something to satisfy them. Right. They all look like they're trying to search for something. So I end up walking around and I walk away from like where all the, the tourists are and I just start walking uh, towards the other in other side of the island and I see more and more of the residents and I'm getting away and away, I'm getting away from the, um, the tourists. And I started to see that 
the residents don't really have much, right? I mean, it's kind of a third world country in some parts of Thailand. But the people who had like less seem to be way happier, way happier than the tourists I saw, you know, at the mm-hmm. other side of the island. And I'm like listening to J. Cole, listen to uh, uh, Forest Hill, his album. And I get all the way to the other end of the album. I mean, sorry, other end of the island. And I sit down. I'm at this beach completely by myself. And uh, there's no one there. And I'm sitting down. I'm listening to his, his music. And I just start to reflect on my life at the time, like where I was at. And... um out of the corner of my eyes, I see this little boy, this little Thai boy who runs up with like a sparkler in his hand and it's just laughing, like smiling and laughing, like a smile and laughter I've never like heard before. And I immediately start to cry. Like I start to think about like everything I had, I had going on in my life. I think about my family. I think about um, my friends. I think about how blessed I've been as far as my life. You know, I was thinking about Kimberly. And uh, I've never cried like that. Like I was crying out of joy. Um, and after that trip, I came back home and I told Kimberly, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to marry you. And like it completely, um, that trip completely changed my life because I felt like a lot of issues I was having with my family at the time. Just being on that beach, reflecting on how blessed I was, really changed me. It made me a better son. It really um, inspired me to to get in touch with my creative side, and it just made me feel fulfilled. You know, mm-hmm. just seeing those people who have nothing, who were just so happy to be with their family, who really cherish. You know, just the little that they had. Um, I feel like all the stuff that I had been chasing leading up to that point, you know, getting the, the fancy car, spending money on clothes I didn't need. Um, like I was chasing something that I really didn't need. And, uh, you know, from that moment, I just, it just really changed me. I, I do wish we were in person because it's, first of all, that's a, a really epic Bali moment. And I'd love to give you a big hug because I don't know. That was, that was a beautiful story, you know, and just being able to realize and have gratitude and make this huge decision to, to marry the person that you're spending time with, you know, in that moment, I think is so phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I think it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like I was expecting that to happen on this trip at all, right? You're, yeah. You're going to well, those are the best. Those are the best like, moments. Yeah. The unexpected yeah. ones. Yeah. So it was. Um, it was a very beautiful moment, a very touching moment. I mean, it was. Um, you know, something that's had like a profound impact on me. Completely changed the way you know my perspective and the way I look at life. After having this transformative awakening did you ever go back to just try to make amends for any of the stuff from before or was it just like you know what the past is the past and i am all eyes forward 
No, I actually had a um, email exchange with um, the woman I was engaged to, and we, you know, we talked, and I think we both acknowledged that it probably didn't end the way we wanted to end. Like, you know, we said some really terrible things to to each other, but um, I think we both agreed that you know that chapter in our life was over. Mm. And for me, that's the piece I think I needed. You know, I, I think I was searching also for her to probably accept the apologies I had to make to her. And and I, I think for me, it gave me some sort of peace knowing that she was going to be able to move on as well. So, um, you know, and after that, I just completely just looked forward and, and, and kept going. Something that I often wonder, because I have brothers too, and what I've heard them say is, um, well, it's interesting. One of my brothers is married happily. Hi, Mark. Hi, Doris. And I have a twin brother, so Frank. And especially my twin, he's like, you know, when I settle down, because he's unmarried right now, it's probably just going to be a question of, well, once I decide that I'm ready to, to settle and to, to settle down, not to settle, but to settle down, I'll just see who's still who's around um, and it's probably not going to be so person driven my decision to marry um, for you how much of it and I know you adore dear Kimberly so this isn't you know but how much of it was it to earlier though the point that Preeti was making about the timing of, of it, your decision to oh. say I am ready to commit or the person who you had met at the time oh it's crucial I mean, I think we, we talk about that all the time. Um, like, I don't think she would have been ready for a marriage and a, and a child if we had met a year before. And I would definitely wasn't ready, right? I mean, the timing was just so perfect mm-hmm. for us. Um, and obviously, our relationship is extremely strong and we're extremely compatible. And, you know, she's the love of my life. But the timing was like what really was a huge factor, right? I mean, it was, I can't even under, understate how important the timing was in us finding each other. Landon, we're, we're almost coming up to our time, but it's so interesting. I know. We, they go, it goes so fast. I can't. Yeah. We could talk to you forever. When D, you know, Dee and I, when D sent me over sort of, um, your bio and, and what you want to talk about. I found it really interesting that you wanted to focus on um, this aspect of um, you moving out of a phase of life uh, as an F boy into, you know, a, a truly phenomenal, mature, you know, man who wanted to build a life with someone. Why did you think it was so important we talk about that today? I mean, you're, you're clearly very accomplished. Um, you know, you're a husband, you're a father, you, you, the podcast is great. You're an attorney, but I, I've, I've wanted to ask, um, you know, why was this the focus of conversation? Why was it so important to you for this message to get out there? Well, I know you're, I love your podcast. I know it focuses on those moments that you have in your life where you completely transform who you are. So mm-hmm. I think that was part of it. But also, you know, I think it's a message that's worth sharing, especially with, with uh, younger men, right? That, mm-hmm. um, not to fight uh, the time when it's time to change. 
Because I think one of the biggest problems I had, and, and I, I acknowledge is that every guy has to go through this stage to a certain extent, but I think you got to know when it's time to kind of grow up and mature. And I think the biggest issue I had was that I was fighting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took an edible and a, and a Thailand trip for me to know, <laughs> like, you know what? It's really time for me to grow up. So I think you really got to see what those signs are and uh you know be ready for that that different stage in your life and not to not to fight it do you think it's always an external uh push or you know i know we we joke about the edible in thailand but to me it feels like it was very much an internal um wake up yeah i mean i think it was a combination of the two Mm -hmm. um i think the Edible probably just unlock something that was already <laughs> internal there, yeah. right? You know, like totally. it was already in the back of my mind. It was just like that edible just kind of kicked it into overdrive and, and, and really was the kick in the ass I needed. Preeti, I know a whole lot of folks who do, all, they take a lot of edibles and they ain't ready. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not prescribing edibles and when we can travel again, Thailand, but I, I am certainly, if there's one thing you should take away from this awesome hour with Landon is, you know, um, listen to yourself and listen to the moments that really push you to the next level. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Landon. Such a pleasure to meet you. You're fantastic. Isn't he dope? I know. And Landon, um, where can people, tell us about your podcast. Where can, where can people uh, learn about your podcast and listen to your podcast? And follow you guys. Yeah, so our podcast is a film review podcast. The way I like to describe it is basically it's four guys from different walks of life trying to find a movie that we all can agree to is an amazing movie. Now, the criteria is we're looking for movies that are not really well known mm-hmm. or that we haven't seen. So that's the challenge. Um, but it's uh, through that, we have a pretty lively discussion through each on each podcast. So. Um, for those of you who are film buffs, definitely check it out. Uh, and if you have any recommendations, let us know. You can find us at uh, Bump City Views, all uh, one word, all lowercase, on Audio Boom. Or you can also find us on Instagram under uh, Bump City Views. Well, we will definitely be listening. And uh, I, I. We, I'll call you after this, brother, because I got mm. a follow-up question. <laughs> but this oh, for sure. Cool. I gave you guys the most edited version I could give of the story. Oh, right. <laughs> so, I yeah. appreciate it, and I like truly, Landon. Thank you for being so open with us and our five listeners, because <laughs> that that's beautiful. That is beautiful, and I am grateful. Listen, when I, I mean, we'll go on forever, but. I, I, when I first heard about Landon, it's like, oh, I met this guy and he's really cool. He just broke off an engagement, but he's great. And I was like, that'll last two weeks. Yeah, I'm eating my words right now and I'm glad that I am. I'm glad that I am. It's been years now and I can't imagine a better partner for my dear sister. Oh, thank you. I really can't. This just, thanks for sticking with my guy. That's a wrap for us tonight. All right. Well, we right. hope that y'all enjoyed Landon here on the Bali Effect. Man, that, now I don't know how we, where do we go from here, Preeti? Just keep on, keep on encouraging people to 
follow your compass wherever it leads. That's right. Tune into to yourself. Tune into the Bali effect. Learn more stuff. And follow we'll catch us you next time. time. That's I'm right. To promote that and catch us on these lives. We're gonna be starting them on Sundays, so check them out. <laughs> See, call me after. We gotta talk about the Sundays Instagram live. Okay, Landon, right. have a beautiful evening. Thank you so much. You yes. too. Thanks, guys, for having me. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, follow us on Instagram, the underscore Bali underscore effect, and we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye. Check